0: Well, hey, Bible love listeners, here we are again. It is Thursday, July 15th. We're so happy to be with you. We are going to start with a um, canticle from Enriching Our Worship 1. This is canticle B, a song of pilgrimage. Before I ventured forth, even while I was very young, I sought wisdom openly in my prayer In the forecourts of the temple, I asked for her, and I will seek her to the end. From first blossom to early fruit, she has been the delight of my heart. My foot has kept firmly to the truth path. Diligently from my youth have I pursued her. I inclined my ear a little and received her. I found for myself much wisdom and became adept in her. To the one who gives me wisdom while I give glory, for I have resolved to live according to her way. From the beginning I gained courage from her, therefore I will not be forsaken. In my inmost being I have been stirred to seek her, therefore have I gained a good possession. As my reward the Almighty has given me the gift of language, and with it I will offer praise to God. Amen. So, today we are so blessed to have the Reverend Nicholas Beasley join us, who is the rector of St. John's in Columbia and is the former rector of the parish I'm serving, the Church of the Resurrection in Greenwood. Um, Nicholas, I'm so glad you're here. Um, I have lots to say to you, but I will say um, one thing in particular that. I don't think there's been ever been a more gracious person when someone leaves a job and a new person comes in with all my obnoxious questions of how do I do this and how do I do that. You have loved me through it, and I'm so grateful um, for that. So thanks for being here, Nicholas and Alan. You're in Texas, right?
1: Yeah, I'm in Texas. I'm at my in-laws. Um, you know, the numbers we've talked about it's kind of repetitive and we're on a journey and there's always things coming up and lots of grumbling. And um, I'm in the midst of a journey with two kids that like to grumble. And so they're locked out of this room for the time being. And hopefully they won't uh, break down the walls and come in here.
0: Okay. Walk forward. We're praying for your grumbling to get better. Um, But it's tough. Transitions are tough, right? It's a lot to do. Uh, Nicholas, you left Church of the Resurrection when in 2018? Is that right?
2: That's right. We moved to Columbia almost three years ago, like this week. Uh, yeah. so
0: and that was a transition, right?
2: That was. Still, you know, still is. It takes a while to put down roots. So. It, does.
0: it does. Especially when you get to live in a fantastic town like Greenwood.
2: Greenwood right. is a hard place to leave. We'll always, <laughs> we'll always have... It in our hearts and uh, like going back there when we can.
0: Yeah. So I'm in your former office, which is now my office. So I'm back in Greenwood after two weeks away. And um, that was glorious. So today we're getting into numbers, right? Again, still in numbers, um, talking about 15 through 19. Is that right? That's right. Which is, again, more journey still on the journey and there's some laws that come about there are some leadership crises that happen let's dig in and talk about it guys
2: There at the beginning of 15 um i was intrigued by the um the sort of whole meal um concept of these sacrifices that um if you're going to offer to the lord um You know, an animal sacrifice. Well, you also need to offer one tenth of an ephah of choice flour and one fourth of a hin of oil. It's kind of a a repeating, um, for the different kinds of animal sacrifices to make a whole meal, is what my uh, the notes in my Bible said. Um,
0: the specifics are there, right? To one third, one fourth. Godwyn yeah. messed around, <laughs> that's
2: right? Um, and then that other the, the sort of refrain to make a pleasing odor to the Lord, um, as the well, Alan's return to the home of real barbecue. I'm sure he thinks we, we know yeah. better, We're, but um, <laughs> th- that's kind of the scene that's pictured here, isn't it? Of um, These animals are sacrificed and then their bodies burned and uh, that savory smell rising um, to the Lord in some way.
1: Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that. Um, I did have barbecue last night, real Texas barbecue. We found a place close to our house. So we'll be frequenting that place. Um, But it did make me think these folks are on a journey and they're dirty, right? They're sweating and their animals are dirty and do what animals do. And so in the midst of that, in the midst of that odor, right, God talks throughout scripture about your prayers as incense and about, Mm. you know, your prayers. right? And some of that, like, are they finding ways to mask the odor? But here, if you think about in the midst of, of the chaos, in the midst of the crazy, in the midst of the wild, of the animals and the people and all of that, yeah, you get this savory smell of meat sacrifice.
0: Yeah. I've um, missed it, but there was a big barbecue festival here last weekend in Greenwood and Murray was walking around and he was like the same thoughts of, I mean, I hadn't thought about putting it in the numbers way, but yeah, those, you could tell where you were, people were indulging and enjoying and the smells were overwhelming. And um, I guess we'll have always have a fight over whether Texas barbecue or South Carolina barbecue, is better. Um, This is now ramping up between um, barbecue and baseball. Those are Alan's two things. So now he's a Texas ranger again. Um, (laughs) Well, what else do we see in 15 y'all? I
1: think here when you get into, you know, some of these various offerings to me, uh, you get down into verse 22 and it says, if you unintentionally fail to observe all these commandments, you know, Mm -hmm. you have to do this. And then it gets into penalties for violating the Sabbath. And so there's this idea that we saw in Exodus, we've seen already in Numbers, and now we're seeing it again, is intentionally or unintentionally, when you sin, when you violate these laws that, that God has set up, that there's a penalty. And it looks like offerings that must be sacrificed. It looks like being cut off from the community for a time. It looks like all these different ways. But here again, we're getting this notion that that there is a price to pay for, for transgression, whether you meant to or not.
0: Yeah. We don't really live in that in 2021 as much, right? Um, I mean, we do the corporal confession of sin every week, but I guess on the other side of Jesus, as we've talked about a lot, um, that forgiveness has a different look than you have to do something to, to receive the
2: forgiveness. What do y'all think about that? Yeah, I think this is, um, a section that's harder for us to, to, to relate to because we've, um, we live on a, a different side of the revelation of God's mercy in Christ. And, um, you know, I want to not be, um, I don't know what the right word is, unkind. You know, you could say this is very transactional and worksy and use those traditional categories that Christians use to criticize the faith of the Hebrew people in that kind of supersessionist way that we've been inclined to. I don't want to do those things. And at the same time, it is hard to kind of understand and, and uh, claim as a part of our Faith tradition. It's so way different from um, the way we think about forgiveness in light of the gospel now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the except, though, um, I mean, we're thinking more and more about when a grievous wrong has been done, what do we need to do to make it right in human relationships? I mean, we're talking words like reparations and deeper understandings of justice are pervading Christian consciousness now. Um now it's not the same as animal sacrifices, but we are thinking about some of the behavioral changes that we need to make beyond turning to the Lord and asking forgiveness in addition to that.
0: I think you know. that's an excellent point Nicholas because I do think sometimes we're like, well, we, you know, we have Jesus in our heart, so we're forgiven, you know, but actually Are we having those human conversations where we need to say, I'm sorry, I did something wrong. I didn't understand that correctly. I didn't do my research. I didn't whatever it is. And I've had to have some of those. Nicholas helped me through one last year, you know, and it was tough. And um, it did feel right to actually profess that I was wrong and I needed forgiveness in that, Um, not just to God, but to that person, you know and um we do have that right with the right of reconciliation but people don't really use it very much that's sort of disappointing to me i wish more people did Um, because i think they would feel that freedom but also really think about what it is that they did wrong and how to not do it again
1: yeah and i think we get so you know in 21st century american christianity it's very consumeristic, right? Like that's the far end of, of the stereotype. But it is about our personal relationship, by and large, with Jesus. It is about our personal forgiveness um, from God and where we go when we die. Right. Like that's kind of the cultural synopsis of of how people popularly see our faith. But you know, the other half of that is, you know, we say in the catechism the mission of God is to reconcile the world to God and to one another right? And so, you know, Jesus Christ took care of the reconciling with God bit, right? Like, there's no sacrifice we need to do for that. But we do have some work to do when it comes to reconciling ourselves with each other. And you hit the nail on the head, whether we call it reparations for those things, whether we call it replacing the broken lamp when our kids get wild in the house, what, whatever it is, right? We can't just say, God, please forgive me. The priest pronounces absolution and everything goes back to normal, right? Like here, we're not talking about like salvation at stake, kind of lack of forgiveness. But, but I think what we're talking about, and I think some of what Numbers is getting at is there's a broken human relationship mm-hmm. and how important it is that, that something be done to, to repair that human relationship. And have we lost some of that in kind of our cultural misunderstanding of forgiveness?
0: It does seem like we're doing that more, particularly with racial reconciliation right now. Um, I mean, just within the Episcopal Church, within our diocese, we're, we're working really hard on that. So I do see that, but there's so much more work to be done, so excellent point. Um, God bless whoever is going by me in an ambulance. Um, <laughs> I always try to do that. Sorry, listeners, um, but someone is in need right now. So God bless them. Should we move on to, um, we talked a little bit about penalties, um, but should we move on to some of the leadership that is in here in numbers? Yeah. Um, Aaron and um, Moses's leadership and the responsibilities that they have. Um, Anybody want to take a stab at that?
2: Well we've got um would you all pronounce it Korah at the beginning yeah. of sixteen? Yeah uh-huh. son of Izhar, uh son of Kohath, son of Levi, um along with Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab, various others, they take two hundred and fifty Israelite men um and confronted Moses. So uh the progression toward uh, a land of promise is gonna, was interrupted here by rebellion, and not, not small, 250 people. Um, and what's the issue? It's complicated. Um, they say, you've gone too far. All the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. So why do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? So they're, they're questioning Moses's Priesthood leadership, is that what's happening?
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of interesting. I was thinking about it when I was reading it, because Moses has been the leader for a long, long time. And then why all of a sudden are we questioning that? You know, um, I thought that was, did 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 y'all?
1: Yeah, and you know, last time, the last section we had, um, Aaron questions Moses, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's already that internal conflict amidst the leadership. And now we have folks questioning the group of leadership. So not only are Aaron and Moses quarreling, and hopefully that's working itself out, but now you've got folks quarreling with the two of them, questioning. And I love, I mean, at the end of, of, you know, if you jump to 17, which kind of continues, the Israelites, again, they say to Moses, we are perishing, we are lost, all of us are lost. Everyone who approaches the tabernacle of the Lord will die. Are we all to perish? So here again, they're going to Moses. We're all going to die. What are you going to do about it?
0: Right. So they like him and they don't like him.
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: Which
0: sounds like leadership sometimes, right? <laughs> um, you, make, you make choices and you, th- you do what you think uh, God is calling you to do. And sometimes people are okay with it and sometimes they're not. And that being in leadership is often tough because of that. Right. Um, and so I can relate to Moses in 2021 and that like, man, you like me one day and you don't like me the next. But really, is it about liking? Is it more about living out what God is calling us to do? And, and then God does come in. Right. Um, I'm back in 16, um, verse 20. The Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron saying, separate yourselves from this congregation so that I might consume them in a moment then fell on their faces and said, Oh God, the God of the spirits of all flesh shall one person sin and you become angry with the whole congregation. So God's saying, let's step back a minute. I'm going to handle this, you know? Um, and I'm, I'm going to be pretty strong in how I handle this. Right. Um, again, what we were kind of talking about a little bit earlier, Nicholas, it's hard to comprehend a God that's angry and upset, but, they kept messing up. <laughs> so how could God not be?
2: Yeah, that's um, the Old Testament Bible studies I've done lately with uh, groups at St. John's. I, that's one of the things we return to again and again is, um, you know, how how um, the emotional life of God in the Hebrew scriptures is is differently portrayed than what most of us um, encounter in preaching in the Episcopal Church is uh you know uh, uh, we speak about god's sort of serenity and, and an unchanging nature and and the passionlessness of of god the father and um that's not how one experiences god when you get into the deeper places of the new of the old testament um there's anger and there's the changing of god's mind and a you know a deep responsiveness to human um faithlessness and faithfulness um, so.
0: I like your words um, emotionalness of God because sometimes I think we think God maybe doesn't have emotions I don't know I mean clearly God has emotions there's upset there's happiness there's joy we you know we see that in the Bible in numbers in every probably every book of the Bible but Sometimes I don't think of God as having emotions, but, you know, there, there are, they're there clearly.
1: Yeah, And you think about, you know, God is love, right? Like that's the overarching theme of, of scripture and our experience. And we in the Episcopal church broadly preach that like a hundred proof, God is love. And that's all the good parts of love. That's the, the happy parts of love. But I think about, The emotions, like you talk about the emotions of God, the emotions that are all buried within love, right? There's If you think about with children, I love my kids, even when I have to discipline them. I love my kids, even when they screw up and I have to correct them. That correction is love, right? right? Like, you know, the discipline, the punishment, All I'm not doing that because I hate my kids. I may not like them too much sometimes when they're getting on my nerves but I love them and I want the best for them. And I, as an adult know what's down the road for them. So you think about in, you know, God and and humans, the parent child relationship is an imperfect metaphor because God is like completely other, but, but it is kind of as an adult can see things in a broader perspective than kids can. God obviously can see things in a broader perspective than, than mortals can. And so I, I do see that the frustration that shines through the, The love that shines, like he wants so badly, God wants so badly for, for the Israelites to get their act together and to just follow directions and to just, right? Like I can, he wants that. God wants that. And when it doesn't happen, there are sometimes consequences.
0: Yeah, you're right. Like we've been... (laughs) we've been asking them to follow directions for chapter upon chapter, verse upon verse. And it's like, why don't you get it? But then you think, how would I react? And if I was, you know, an Israelite walking through the desert, you know? So, Hey, Nicholas, do you want to talk to us about the ceremony of the red heifer before we finish this up?
2: Because well, well, I'm no expert, but it's, um, that's, I guess one of the most well-known passages in Numbers, isn't it? People probably taken on some extra biblical meaning, and you know, people like these um, these sort of otherworldly things. Um, so, at the beginning of seventeen, let's see. First, we have the thing with Aaron's staff that grows and buds, and almonds come off of it, and, and this is to demonstrate that Aaron is you know, trustworthy, um, among the priests. And then, um, we get to the heifer passage. Why have I lost track of it? You'll help me. It's a 19. Um, and, um, they're going to give it to the priest Eleazar, and who takes it outside the camp and it's slaughtered outside the camp. Um, my commentary notes mention that, so, so this is not a sacrifice in the normal sense. It's not at the altar. It's outside. Uh, and so it's a different kind of purification. It would be the technical term that's uh, used here. And then they burn it. Um, all a little bit gory. You know, if uh, we're used to our meat coming from the grocery store wrapped up in plastic, as most of us are, um, And this is all about death purification, isn't it? Um, That this is so that people who have come into contact with corpses, um, you know, can be made clean. Um, I've listened to a podcast on script. You ever check that one? It's not as good as this one, but um,
0: well, nothing is as good as this, this. right?
2: Um, They were interviewing a. Hebrew Bible scholar a few weeks ago who um, was talking about wholeness as being the the kind of fundamental um, goal for Hebrew cultic life at this point in, in the Old Testament, that, um, you know, that, that cleanness is about um, your body being whole and, um, you know, um, Odd things not coming out of it. And, um, no, so Nicole, corp-
0: we've gone way deeper than that. So don't you handle that perfectly.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, you know, corpses are messy. And so, you know, being in contact with a corpse means you're less whole in the way that you're supposed to be whole. Um, and so you've got to go through these processes of being bounded again through purification offering and a period apart from the community um, that that will make you um, whole yourself, having come into something that's, you know, decomposing and not in the good order that reflected um, Israel's conception of holiness at the time. Um,
1: so... Yeah, and I, you know, when I see where this comes in in numbers, we just had some some contention and folks going to Moses saying we're all dying, right? Everyone's perishing. Do you not care? Um, And then we have some more special instructions about what to do when folks come into contact with dead bodies, and so to me that highlights that this is a hard part of the journey right? Folks are probably literally dying around them in their sleep in these tents. Like there's this thing, if someone in your tent dies when you're in there, all of you are. And so it kind of puts some context to me why these people are so frustrated, why these people are so struggling is they're on this journey, trusting that it's going to lead to somewhere flowing with milk and honey, which they were promised a couple chapters ago, but grandma's dying, right? Like they can't catch a break. They've gone from slaver, enslavement to, to a journey, and now everyone's dying. And they have to figure out how to deal with the fact that seemingly from 19 and the the care given to the ceremony, they can't help but touch dead bodies. Right? It's inevitable at this point. And so to me, that helps understand why they're probably a little frustrated.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. humans are going to be humans, um, whether it's a situation like this or, I mean, any situation and we can relate to that and we can understand. Um, y'all, this is good. Thank you. I don't know if we came up with any questions um, that we're going to try to think about for this week, but um, I feel like we got to really kind of dig in, which was good. And I appreciate that Nicholas a lot. Um, Alan and I are going to finish up numbers next week. Woohoo! We finished our third book of the Bible (laughs) since we started in October. Um, And then we've got um, our first bishop joining us in a few weeks, and we're excited about that. Um, But Nicholas, thanks so much for your time today. And thanks to all the listeners for journeying with us through numbers. Um, We appreciate it so much. Any parting words from you two?
2: We miss Alan already and God bless you on your journey. And um, I hope you don't have to pray for the ground to open up and swallow up any grumblers in your group
1: like Moses did. Yeah, I totally
0: agree. I gone left gone
1: all day. the grumblers back in South Carolina.
0: Uh, <laughs> he's only been gone four days, but we miss him already. But um, I bet after I just know I've been thinking about it after this podcast Walker and Ford are not grumbling anymore and they're going to be excited about whatever the day has to hold for them so thank you listeners thank you Nicholas thank you Alan remember we love you but most importantly God does